Hey there, Omers, and welcome to our eighth episode of Podacy of the Mind, the podcast all about the creative problem-solving program, Odyssey of the Mind. My name is Ryan Bolton, and I'm coming to you from Pennsylvania, where I volunteer on our state's board of directors. And this week, we've got a really special treat. For many of you, our guest needs no introduction. He's been a part of Odyssey of the Mind since the very beginning, when his father, Dr. Sam, founded the program in 1978. He now serves as the program director at the international level at Odyssey HQ. He oversees the creation of the long-term problems each year and the planning for world finals. It was a conversation so great, we're releasing it as a two-part series. In this first part, we discussed this past year's virtual world finals. We also talked about how this coming unconventional season is shaping up. Without any further ado, Omers, please join me in welcoming... Sammy Miklas. All right, Sammy Miklas, are you ready? Oh, Ryan, yes, I am. <laughs> I guess we'll, uh, you automatically get a creative uh, response every time, so we'll, we'll mark that one off as creative. How's that sound? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like outside assistance to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're certainly uh, happy to have you with us and, and happy to have your time today. And uh, I know I was mentioning before when we were, we were just talking, I work behind the scenes as a camera operator in television and film, and I work alongside some celebrities, and I really have not felt starstruck like this, like I do right now to have you on, on the podcast. So I really appreciate it, and I know our listeners will appreciate hearing your stories today. Well, I appreciate your inviting me, and don't be starstruck. I'm just Sammy. <laughs> now, of course, we're in this uh, strange time right now. It's no, it's no secret. Everybody knows what's been happening. And we just went through the first ever virtual world finals since the program started. There was, it was the first year you didn't have an in-person world finals. And I'm wondering, what was, what was that like coming together as a team to solve that spontaneous problem? That's, that was a great experience. I, I have to tell you, when we decided to, to move forward and keep going with the virtual world finals, it was really because the kids, so many of them have spent so many months solving their problems. We wanted them to get acknowledgement, you know, have judges, Odyssey the Mind judges watch and, and evaluate and give feedback. And I'll, if you'd have told me there would have been 100 teams, I would have bet against it. And there was over 830 teams. And it was fantastic. And I got to tell you, Odyssey the Mind is the greatest volunteer organization in the world because Sammy Miklas made checks that volunteers cashed left and right. And it was amazing. And the kids loved it and the families loved it. Yeah, it, it definitely seemed, uh, my mom's a coach and, and I, was, I helped out a little bit with coordinating the virtual spontaneous and watching along. And it, it definitely seemed like it was a hit. And I know, I know the students really appreciated from talking to a few students too on, on the podcast, really appreciated the opportunity to still participate and still keep in touch with one another while they weren't necessarily going to school in person. So I know it was very valuable for everyone. What are some of the things from your perspective along the way doing a virtual format that you learned or that your problem captains learned? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I learned is that, and I, this is a lesson that I've learned a long time ago and it was reinforced. When we used to develop problems, my father, myself, and our problem review people, we used to do them and I would sit there and I'd say, I know how the teams are going to solve it. They're going to do this, this, and this. And then I go to a competition and nobody solved it that way. They all did better than anything I thought of. 
And in the virtual, we saw teams that performed live outdoors, socially distanced with masks. We saw teams that performed via electronics like Zoom, Skype. They were creative about how they wanted to share their creativity. And that to me was really exciting and, and wonderful. And I will say the one thing we didn't account for uh, when we did the virtual world finals is usually you qualify, you move up in competition. We just wanted everybody to get acknowledgement so they could sign up for whatever problem and division they, they chose. And we didn't realize that problem three was going to wind up with a third of all the teams in virtual world finals. Problem three, division one had over a hundred and I think 20 teams. So then the judges that spent the time and evaluated and scored and give critique and notes, God bless them. Yeah, it definitely seemed like there were, there was a big team of, of judges and volunteers who helped, who helped make the, make it happen. What were some of the things, the feedback you heard from them as they were going through it? Uh, the problem captain, well, the one, the one issue that we learned from is if we have to have, if we have so many teams that we have to have more than one judging team, how we're going to handle that. And we did it almost uniformly, but now from moving forward, it will be uniformly. And that would be like, let's just say you have a state finals and your state finals has 60 teams competing against one another in a virtual format. Well, we wouldn't have one judging team score the 60 teams. We would have one judging team score, maybe 30, 20 or 30, another one scored a 20 or 30 and maybe a third team, whatever. But then we would take their top teams, five or six teams, and the other judges would score them. So the, in the end, the final results are teams that were scored by every judge. So, so we learned that we have to do that. And, and I will say this, God bless the problem captains and the problem judges because a lot of them scored over 50 teams last year. And they came up with a position called a, a pro. It's a paper review official. And I will let everybody know it's the most important position that's new to you for a virtual tournament. They go through and they check, make sure all the links are valid. They make sure all the paperwork's accurate. They do all that staging check-in that you do at a regular tournament. So the judges only have to click and watch the performance and enter their scores. So that's important. Right. And you're kind of hinting on what we're looking at in the coming year, mentioning what state and association finals might be like in the coming year uh, as a, in a virtual format. Of course, the idea is to safely provide a traditional format in addition to an online virtual format. And so how do we move forward with that? How, how do you see this year coming out and coming about? Well, the one thing that's for sure is that no two places are the same. Well, there are two places the same, but you can't have one size fits all. So there are places where they will have uh, regionals maybe or, or association finals. There are places that won't. There are states that are already decided we're not going to do it. And when they don't do it, it doesn't mean that you have to go to virtual. You can do the traditional and stay on the traditional path. So if we have a world finals in person, you can go to the world finals in person. But moving forward, we developed systems, and I got to thank explicitly Jeff Carter, the Spirit Award winner, and uh, Greg Schwears, our spontaneous assistant problem captain, for helping set up the systems that worked. So for moving into this year, 
like the spontaneous portion will be hosted by CCI. You'll log in. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of all that. Obviously, this, you're going to have local judges judging, but we're going to take, take care of that. Because one issue we had was uh, one, if, if it timed out, you lost the responses, and we don't want to have that happen. But we, we learned a lot. And, and I want to also say to uh, the team's officials that are thinking about virtual and online performances and competitions, it's not as scary or hard as it sounds. It really isn't. It's, it's, it, I know it's a strange and it's un, you know, unnatural for us, those of us in the program, but we went through it last year and learned from it. It went very well, but also we, we're going to put a package together. So it's literally going to be just click and check and click and check. Now, along the way, watching some of those performances from this past year, was there anything that stuck out to you as with the use of the format that was very creative or funny or something like that, that, that you happened to encounter or one of your, one of your judges happened to see? There was a, there was, there was a few things that were really interesting. Like some teams were very creative about being individually pictured on frames, but virtually passing props from one to the other. You know, that's a, that's a, you've got to set it up. You have to know it, it was, that was really cool. I was also, like I said, a, uh, a team that we lived in a cul-de-sac that performed there. And you could tell like if it was two, two team members from the same family, they could be next to each other. So they isolated that way. But the, the virtual performances were really interesting. And I will add this. I talked to uh, your association director, Jerry, and he told me he spoke with a coach, and this is something I hope every coach uh, learns from the experience that this one coach had. She said, because of the nature of the virtual format, where you could submit your performance and then have so many more minutes, seven more minutes, to comment on it, you're not going to get a Q&A with the, with the judges. So pick what you want to talk about. And she told Jerry, that led the team into a much deeper discussion than they ever really had before about the problem and how they wanted to solve it. And I think that's an important lesson to learn. Maybe we learn it a hard, hard way, but for teams to say, okay, you only have this much time to brag, to tell the judges what you did and how you did it. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to brag about? And they found that they went back and improved things because everybody wanted to brag about something or talk about something. And I, I just thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, it's, it is interesting to hear how that went down. Normally, other teams and spectators and everyone would, get to, would be able to watch and see how teams are solving the problems. And, and not necessarily from an outside assistance standpoint, but just to understand and, and see the right. divergent thinking that's happening. And, and of course, we didn't have that opportunity this year. Is that, that's, that idea of the seven-minute window, is that something that's going to carry over into yeah. the coming year? Yeah. Absolutely. Great. So we'll submit one video. It'll be 15 minutes, the performance, and then whatever the edited they want to do at the end to talk about their solution and their ideas and, and their style categories and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's funny as a judge, and normally I'm, if I judge up in the Northeast Pennsylvania region, I wind up as a timekeeper. So we're constantly having to cut that time short. And it's right. kind of neat to see like, no, everybody gets an equal amount of time. We're not running late. We don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. And hopefully that's something that, that 
in the end actually benefits the students in showing off their creations. Right. Yeah, I think it does. So moving, looking ahead to now, you know, further into this year, what are some of the big questions you're getting? What are the challenges that you're already seeing that teams and associations are dealing with in, uh, in addressing this traditional versus virtual kind of setup? Well, the biggest question is they have to understand what the two are, right? Like if you are traditional, you're a school, you sign up and you can have multiple teams. Those teams can each choose individually if they want to go into the virtual or the in-person. They have that opportunity. The biggest obstacle we're, we're, we're dealing with right now is schools that have said no after-school activities, nothing, right? So we're right now we're working on that. I will let you know that we are going to create division five. Division five will be for virtual and I'm hoping to make it also for traditional. Um, You're a popular man. I, I'm assuming that was your yeah. phone. Off. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. No, it's um, fine. Yeah. So the, the traditional and virtual. So what we're division five will be teams composed of not students from the same school, like teams that aren't qualified as a regular member, right? So you could have families in it and you could have whatever, and they'll be treated like everybody else, but they're gonna be in a separate division. And then we're hoping that we can make a way where they can actually participate in person, but that's that's a work in progress right now. Sure, still school-age children, right? My old team can't get together and compete in division five. <laughs> uh, we haven't come down with all the rules, but they don't all have to be school age. We're gonna they're gonna have to have somebody school age, but you know. that's okay. I th I think my team from high school is probably uh, I don't know if we, if we'd be able to be as competitive as we once were. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, I'm wondering too with the, in this virtual time, and you mentioned you touched a little bit on how the difficulty that it, that some schools have been having, and can they have after school activities? Are they doing it even if it's virtual? Can they? Are they able to sponsor a team logistically, financially, whatever the case might be? How do we grow the program at a time like this, right? What, what, can, oh. what can we do as coaches and parents and volunteers and, and all that to, to help alumni to help grow the program and, and beyond this year, beyond this virtual traditional year, you know, what, what are things we can be doing? Well, there's two, two parts to, to that question. One is this year, it's like doing triage. It's stop the bleeding, keep it together, try to get, people wanna do Odyssey the Mind. Kids wanna do it, parents want their children to do it, they wanna do it. So we gotta to try to be able to provide them a way to do it. Moving forward, what I think this is doing is showing us different ways to get uh, people involved, right? Like, I don't know that we'll, I mean, we're always, the plan is to always do the traditional Odyssey the Mind, go to competition, all that. But we can also do a sister version that is online and encourage young people from throughout the world to partner up and solve the problem virtually, creatively. So, so you know, like I say, with every door that gets closed, a window gets open. So that's how we're, we're looking at it. We're staying positive about it. Right. So there is the chance then even hopefully when everything is is back to quote unquote normal that a virtual option might exist in the future as well if it's successful. It, 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 yeah, there's a, there's a, that's on the table. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting talking to some of our past guests. 
of course, everyone who's been to world finals has some story about someone they met from another state or another country, and they've kept in touch, right? They're friends to this day. Um, And it would be interesting to see if them have that opportunity to partner up with, like you're saying, with students from around the world that they've met along the way in Odyssey of the Mind. Yeah, that would be be very interesting. And I do want to emphasize for those who have not been the world finals, because we know most teams don't make it the world finals. There is no experience in Odyssey of the Mind that equates with being at world finals. You meet people from all over the world. You can sit there and perform and watch teams before you and watch teams after you solve the same problem that you solved so differently from one another. You watch teams because what's always in the United States and it's always English based. You'll watch teams from Asia, South America, Mexico that don't speak English. But when they qualify for world finals, they learn their script in English. You think they speak English. They don't. They just learn their script for the judges at world finals. It, it just, the whole camaraderie and the love and the kindness, and it, it's irreplaceable. I remember my first time going to world finals, which would have been my freshman year of high school, and being blown away by just the fanfare of it all. And so one of, one of my goals has been, like, how can we bring some of that back to our state tournament where, like you're saying, a lot of the teams don't have the chance to go to world finals. So we try to capture a little bit of that. And I think one of the interesting things this year was we had a lot of teams, at least here in Pennsylvania, and I'm sure it was the same for other associations, that had never been to world finals that got to compete right. on that world stage virtually. I don't know if you heard any, you know, had any feedback or anything like that from any of those kind of teams. Yeah, a lot of feedback, and they all loved it. They loved that they're finally they could get their performance judged by world finals judges. It was very positive and constructive. And for those of you who didn't perform last year in the virtual world finals, we even had a sticky note which we're going to have again this year, which was judges giving feedback to the teams. You know, wow, real exciting, good, good energy. You know what we always tell the teams when they merit it, and. The, the, those teams, a lot of teams that participated were not regular world finals teams. And they really, really appreciated the fact that they could p- compete. Yeah, I think it was great that uh, even among all of the, the, the tough times we're having, those teams had that opportunity. And they were, they were able to learn and grow. And, and hopefully it's something that they can use that feedback and they can use that experience moving forward and, and continue on their, on their quest to, to go to world finals. Yeah. Right. And think about it. If they did it last year, they're the, they're the, they're the experienced ones this year. That's true. Right. They have a leg up. So if they wind up competing virtually, they already have an idea of what they're getting themselves into. I know some of the coaches were pulling their hair out over what they were getting themselves into but of course, we, we do it all for the students. And I yep. think in a lot of cases, the students probably can navigate the technology even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, the kids were just so good at what they were doing. It was neat. The, I don't know if you saw any of the family videos. They were neat, uh, you know, what they put together. It, it was just a real good experience. And, you know, what do they say? A friend in need is a friend indeed. And when you have such a tough time as the world experienced last spring and we were able to have our world finals and have teams perform and compete, that to me was the great part of being alive. Yeah, it was, it was cool that we were able to come together in 
in an even almost a bigger way than than usual, despite all being in separate locations and all being separately, for sure. We, yeah, we had I had I had more than one person tell me, but I had one very eloquent email after the whole uh, virtual world finals, and it's a very experienced judge who I have the most tons of respect for. System problem captain often international problem captain. And he said, I got to tell you, when you announced virtual world finals, I didn't think you could do it. And personally, I really didn't think you should do it. And he said, I just got done judging and going through the experience. And you were right. I was wrong. And I have to admit to you that this was the greatest experience I ever had in Odyssey the Mind. I mean... You know, it was, and I say the longtime official who I have the most respect for, even if he would have said, I think you were wrong, I still would have had the respect for him, but said that. And that was to me, okay, you know, you're doing right. Because when you start getting into it, you see what the kids are doing. You see what the teams did. You see that nobody got a chance to say it. Why, why would a creative problem-solving program get a problem and say we can't solve it, right? So we went and got together and we solved it, for good or Bad or worse, better or worse, we solved it. Yeah, it was it was really meaningful. I think for to have a sense of normalcy, right? When at, here we didn't even get to do our regional tournament again for the first time in in however long. Although we didn't, it was Thursday and <laughs> the competition was going to be Saturday. We didn't have time to put together any sort of virtual format. We were still hoping at that point we'd still be able to do something in person. So yeah, just to have that kind of that kind of sense of normalcy, even in a in a different format and in a different way, I think was, was really valuable. And yeah, on, on all these podcasts where I've had students on, especially I did one with, with a couple division one teams out of uh, Long Island, out of New York. And I was worried, Oh, are they going to know how to mute and unmute themselves and start their video? And of course they coordinated the whole thing better than I could have ever have done myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Young people and technology are way ahead. Yeah, you expect uh, to see us putting things out like a, do you know what this is like on our social media? Because when I was young, the, the development of technology was so much slower, right? Like I'll use this one example. I used to dial a phone, right? Now you say dial, nobody knows what you're, what are you, why are you saying dial? Well, we actually used to put our finger in a hole that had a number on it, spin it around and let it go and then do it for all, every number. And then there was a, curly cord connected to the base that you talked into. Then they came up with buttons. You just pushed the button. That was technology. That was decades later. Then they came up with, we don't need the cord. We'll have it wireless. Oh, I can walk around and talk on the phone? Unbelievable. Now, your phone, I don't, even, I don't know why we call cell phones cell phones. They're, they're technology stations. You know, it's not just a cell phone. That's a cell phone. Phone is the least thing that kids look at. We use it for the internet, browsing, Google, whatever. Solving their Odyssey of the Mind problems. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so what I was getting at was when I grew up, you know, one generation to the other generation had a fair amount in common, right? Like whoever's listening to this podcast, go and ask your team members, if you're a coach or a parent, draw me a picture of rabbit ears. Because we all know what they're going to draw. It's not going to draw what I call rabbit ears, right? The old antennas you plugged into the back of the black and white television set. 
Right. Had I not studied television in college, I might not even know what they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we move off of the virtual competitions, are you getting a sense yet of what the membership makeup is? Or is it is it teams returning? Do you have any new ones? I know um, here, in, here in Pennsylvania, we've been we started a grant program last year for new teams. We've actually, even with the the implications of going virtually, gotten a few submissions, a few applications for memberships that'll be brand new to the program this year. So what's that makeup like? And what, what kind of advice would you have for somebody who's jumping in, you know, maybe for the first time this year? Well, my advice, first off, we, we, our, our memberships are a little bit slow because I, the, uh, the reason I, I mentioned to you that they're looking for a sponsor because they want to, they've been, a lot of people, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you and I are from, have been inside for over half a year now right? So they want to have the opportunity to be in person, but the schools aren't saying, yes, we'll do it. So that's why we're working hard to give them that opportunity so they can get going. We do have new members, which I think is great. Some of those are coming from another organization that didn't handle the situation the same as we did. They did not have an event or they had a watered down version of the event. I, you know, we found out, you know, everything kind of happened in March. So if you were a team that signed up in September and you worked through September, October, November, December, January, February, and you were going to say, okay, that doesn't count. Get rid of it. Here's what you're going to do. We, we just didn't have, we weren't going to do that. We were going to say what you worked on, keep working on it and we will look at it and we will score you for it. So if someone's first getting started though this year and they've never done Odyssey of the Mind before, so they have no preconceived notions, is there, what's, what's, your, uh, what's your rallying cry for them? <laughs> My rallying cry for them is we've posted all the videos at this point of teams from last year that did it virtually. Go randomly pick and watch some of those. So then you know what the virtual options option is. Uh, the traditional option is simple. If you think you would like to compete in person, that's a different thing. Go down that track. You may not compete in person at a region. You may not even compete in person at a state finals, but you may have opportunity to compete in person at a world finals. If world finals is available, which we'll know before anybody qualifies for it because the schools are either going to be open or not, there's an op opportunity that you might be able to put some of the virtual teams if they choose to go over there based on the, the, what, who signs up. Everything's fluid. But for the new teams, like what you asked, my advice is if you want to have an opportunity to compete in person, try to go traditional. If you just want to have an activity that they can do, stay safe at home, go, just go virtual. And you can go traditional and the virtual path. So if you have more than one team, that's a money saver for you. But to solve the problems, Ryan, you are a team member. First time teams, you're going to argue, you're going to battle, you're going to go about things one way or the other. But in the end, you're going to love each other and you're going to respect and appreciate each other more so than most any other group of kids in a school would do. Yeah, that brings me to, uh, we did a poll uh, in, the, in the 80s, 19, mid, mid, late 80s, and we asked all the kids at World Finals to tell us what they liked most about Odyssey the Mind. And 
they would always say, I like that you can be creative. I could like, you know, all the different things. Every student, and I don't mean the most, I mean every student in their top two things that they liked the most about Odyssey Mind said one thing in common over and over again. If I wasn't an Odyssey of the Mind, I wouldn't have made the friends that I've made. It's where the athlete meets the musician, who meets the artist, who meets the sewer. It's just, it's the place where if you don't think you have a place to go, that's the place to go. Yeah, I would say even beyond being a first-time team, my team would argue a lot. Uh, although <laughs> yeah. we are still friends to this day, and it's I, one of my friends on my high school team. We we were uh, over the summer hiking together. Another friend of mine just reached out. My my birthday's coming up, and I was I'm raising money for our our Pennsylvania grant program. He made a donation and checked in. You know, someone I haven't talked to in a while, and then another one who just had his second son. And it's like, it's, it's crazy that, you know, so far out now we're, we're going on 15 years out from when we competed together, but we still right. keep in touch and have those moments and think back about all the time we spent together. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Cause you know, when you're, when you're solving a problem using creativity, you're really opening yourself up to everybody you're around. You're telling them what your, your, your thoughts, your emotions, your, your everything, you're inside. There's nothing, you can't hide anything. So when you do that and someone else does that, you, a bond just happens. It just is going to occur. Thank you again to Sammy for taking the time to be a part of Podacy of the Mind and a special thanks to his wife, Cheryl, at Odyssey HQ. She helped organize his appearance on the podcast. And listeners, stay tuned for the second half of our conversation, which will cover the origins of Odyssey of the Mind and how Sammy has watched the program grow over the past four decades. And speaking of future episodes, if you're interested in being a part of the podcast, we'd love to have you. We're looking to have conversations with people from all walks of life of Odyssey of the Mind. Just send us an email at podcast at paodyssey.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is spread the word about Odyssey of the Mind to your family and friends in the educational community. We can always use your help in growing the program and recruiting new teams. Here in Pennsylvania, we have a grant program to help new memberships get started. More information about our Jumpstart grant program can be found at paodyssey.com grants. And if you're interested in contributing to our grant fund, you can email me at grants at paodyssey.com for more information. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you and your loved ones are all safe and well. Remember to keep social distancing and wearing your mask. And of course, to always think outside the box. Oh, my.